Welcome back to the Local Dreamer podcast. I'm your local dreamer, Lila. The previous episode to this one is called Big Willy. And if you listen to it, I have a little follow-up story to go along with it. It was crazy when I was recording and setting everything up to get ready to post it and release it. I ended up having a super gnarly encounter uh, in the night with basically hell itself. And it was pretty much mocking me and what I had presented as the big will, the comet. In the episode, I explain how the will of God is like a big fiery comet. And if we can break through the fire and get within it, the sound of the burning and the gas and just that, that fiery flame sound would drown out all other voices. And it would really give us a space to hear the voice of God for ourselves and not be distracted by the opinions and the chatter of this world. And so I go on to explain this. And within the real dream I had the night prior to releasing it, the enemy came and it was crazy. So in the dream, I'm with this kid that I know in real life. And I won't go into detail what I was dealing with with this kid, but basically I was trying to tell him like you shouldn't do something and that's inappropriate and wrong. And he didn't really want to hear it from me. And I said, you know, this is wrong and we can get rid of this. Let me just pray for you. And he was hesitant. And finally, he said, okay, you can pray for me. And I grabbed his hands and I was literally just going to start like a general generic prayer of Jesus. Jesus, you know, however you start a prayer, dear Jesus, it wasn't fired up. I wasn't going to do any kind of nothing, nothing fancy. It was going to be a generic, let me pray for you. He gives me his hands. I take his hands. And like the moment I'm about to say Jesus, it was like we both were locked in and our eyes were stretched open as wide as they could be. Like someone put toothpicks to hold them open. Our eyes just dilated. I felt like looking into his eyes was what my eyes felt like. Just blown up to just big black pupils. And we both couldn't move. And the sound of the gnarliest scream and roar and what I feel like was the sound of hell itself. Like if you imagine the Lord of the Rings when the dark hordes come through and they're going to attack. It's like if you could imagine any Hollywood movie of a depiction of evil coming in, it was like that. Just this. And it was this scream, this tone, this noise that just came through and it continued and we just were holding hands our eyes were stuck open as wide as possible and it was like our muscles locked and we couldn't move and the sound was just it just captured us and like locked our muscles we just were stuck just feeling this scream this rage this roar all the way to the core of my bones and as this continued I couldn't move, but I could begin to hear what this kid was hearing in his head. And what I could hear was the voice of the enemy saying, do you feel that? Do you feel that? You think this is love? Is this God? Do you feel that? And what we were feeling was painful. And this voice was taunting him saying, do you feel that? You think God loves you? God doesn't love you. Can you feel that? And it was a complete mockery of what I was saying It was like to be within the will of God where you can only hear the voice of God and all other noises were silence. And it was like the enemy was like, yeah, well, I can do that too. Watch this. And he gave it to us. He gave it to us hard. 
and this kid was just like doubting and he was confused because I was just going to pray for him and I was there without being able to talk trying to think like I was going to pray for you and now you're thinking that this is God and this is not God this is a misrepresentation of God and this enemy is a liar and he was being so mean to this child and he was acting like in the place of God in the place of love pain rage yelling screaming this gnarly sound was penetrating our body and he was just the total doubter the doubt speaker do you think this is god you think god loves you it was so heavy and all i could do was just like watch this happening i could hear what was happening in this kid's mind and i'm like i gotta say something because this isn't god that's not right this isn't god like no and i couldn't even begin to say a word And within me, I just knew, like, if I could just get a squeak, an eek, a moan, a groan out, that was going to be enough because I didn't have it in me to get the words of anything out. So I squeeze out some kind of groan, some kind of moan, and the effect that was captivating our bodies kind of subsided slowly. It didn't go away right away, but we regained control of our bodies, and I could tell, like, oh, no. Like this kid's going to throw up. He doesn't look good. He was just pretty much going limp and I caught him and I'm like, oh gosh, like he's going to throw up. So I got to find somewhere and I found like we were on carpet. And so I found like a hardwood surface and like ran him over there and just held him over so that he'd throw up on the hardwood floor. And once he threw up, he just went limp in my arms and we were just both just toasted. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then everything just kind of cleared and my dream transitioned. But What was crazy was not only the feeling and the sound and just my my physical body experiencing the rage and the noise and the scream and the violence and the anger and the hatred that came through this roar and this yell that penetrated into the core of my being. I realized that even though I couldn't speak up and I couldn't formulate the right prayer, it wasn't a petition. It wasn't a thoughtful uh, prayer of psalms and scriptures, and it wasn't anything orderly or organized or beautiful. It was really just me squeezing out this groan and this noise and this uh, that was enough. That was enough to make the enemy let go, and it didn't go away right away, but it subsided. It knew it had to leave, and it, and then it left. But it really made me think like we've been hearing a lot about, you know, the sound of your voice. Your voice is a frequency and it carries a frequency. And in the Bible, it says sometimes we don't know what to pray, but the spirit within us groans and moans for us, you know. And um, it just gave me confidence. And it was a good reminder that, man, like even if we don't know what to pray in the gnarliest of situations, we can groan and moan. And the Lord will hear our cry. The Lord knows what we mean when we let out like an ugly groan. And the enemy has to flee. He does. He just left. But the crazy part is, is that when the enemy left and the dream ended, I was waking up in real life out of that dream. And I was having a really hard time coming out of it. I was processing it. I was like wrestling it. And I couldn't pull myself out of it. And then finally when I did... I just was so exhausted. My body had felt like it had been through the ringer 
and I physically felt like what I felt in my dream that this scream was just killing me from to the core of my being just like bah over and over again the amount of energy and pressure and pain that I felt when I came out of it my body physically in reality felt so tired and then I ended up with this big cold sore on my lip and I was like what the heck what the heck was that whatever it really means in the big picture I might not ever know whether it was just the enemy trying to silence me of releasing my podcast or whether the enemy's like oh yeah you think that's cool the fireball comment will of god well I can do that too because he is an imposter and an impersonator so he might have just been like you think that's god I can do that and just to mock me I just think I'm like wow Like the enemy definitely wants to mock me and all children of God. The enemy wants to mock God. And we can't forget that the sound of our voice, any noise that comes through a child of God and out of a child of God can be used as a weapon of warfare that makes the enemy flee. Even if it's a groan, a moan, a wince, whatever. After this experience, I was left wondering, How do I get to a place where I can stand in the presence of my enemy and not walk away with a cold sore? Like I really felt like physically I was affected by it, but spiritually I was fine. In the dream, my spirit was strong. I didn't feel fear as much as I felt pain and hatred and noise and screaming and yelling to the core of my soul. I didn't feel afraid. I wasn't trying to cry cry out to God for help because I was afraid. My spirit felt resolute, it felt strong, and it felt like just hang in there and you're going to get through this. And when it was done, I was able to catch this kid, I was able to help him. I was strong enough, I wasn't afraid, I wasn't looking over my shoulder wondering are they coming back. Like it I was pretty much unfazed in my spirit, but in my body and in my soul, I was rocked to the core. And then I had the physical effects of it when I came out of that dream and I woke up with this cold sore on my face, which I'm not one to get them often. I've gotten them, you know, a handful of times in my life. And this is one, this was, and there've been relating to difficult season in my life, not just stress, but that one time before was a total demonic thing where I felt like someone cast like witchcraft on me or something like that but it felt like a demonic attack. And then again, this time I encountered hell itself. And then I woke up with a cold sore on my mouth and I'm like, dude, like why do I have to feel this in my body when in my spirit, I feel so strong and so able and so capable. And I feel confident and I don't feel like, I didn't feel weighed down in my spirit after this. It was a totally different thing. It was like, I was made up of three parts, the body, soul, and spirit. The spirit was fine. My soul was exhausted and my body got thrashed. And I believe that over these years, you know, like just not by default, but just by growing up in the church culture that I grew up in, I was taught and I didn't find any discrepancy with believing that I have a body, soul, and spirit. I am a triune being just like the Trinity, the Godhead, is a triune being with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That whole thing, I, I, I accept that and I believe that. But after this experience, I'm kind of like stepping back and like, what was that? And 
was that even my spirit that felt so strong? And I'm wondering, like, maybe that was just the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I was even part of that part of feeling strong because my soul and my body got rocked. And I'm kind of deconstructing my belief system on that body, soul, spirit. It's an issue of how can we best have a perspective of who we are so that we can best be joined with the will of God and be used to the full fullest. So I'm open to adjusting my frame of thought on how I am structured as a human being, how God designed me, how I'm supposed to be able to function in my full capacity. I am supposed to be able to stand in the presence of my enemies. I should have all the tools I need. And how do I align myself internally and externally to be able to be functioning at my fullest capacity the way God designed and maybe that means unraveling some of the things that I've taken for granted as a belief and I didn't really think it through or pray it through. God is doing something across the globe where he is recalibrating us. He is recalibrating our thought patterns, our view on ourselves, our view on the church, on religion, on the Bible, on our walk with God as a whole. Like what does this look like and what does this mean? And it's kind of like, not that it's all new, but where a lot of us are coming into a new perspective and a new understanding and a new desire that doesn't go against all of those things necessarily, but it's just kind of pressing into a place that has been maybe neglected over all of these years. And just like I'm finding that I've been neglecting my soul and I have looked down upon my soul as the lustful part of me that is not good, I'm kind of seeing how I have to go back and like care for my soul and nurture my soul and teach my soul and grow my soul. Just as much effort and energy as I'm putting into my spiritual walk with God It's like, I don't want to leave my body and soul behind in the dust to bear the brunt of whatever the enemy is going to throw at me while my spirit's flying high over here and I'm just completely disconnected. That's how I feel. I feel like my spirit is like, like going off, seeing, experiencing, believing for the best and the most hopeful and just going for it. And then I've, over the years, I've kind of left my, my body and my soul behind. And I've actually had negative thoughts and feelings towards my soul. And I've done my best to care for my body. And it's kind of fallen into a ranking order of spirit first, body second, soul bad. Soul needs work. Soul needs to be controlled and tamed and put in its place constantly. And I'm just feeling like God's like pressing all of those things together And my body, soul, and spirit need to become one and I need to care for all of it as a whole. And so this is just something I'm pursuing and walking through at the moment and how when those things align in me, I might be able to experience the abundant life that we're told we get when we follow Christ. In John 10, 10, the ye version, the King James version says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Greek word for abundant is perisos, which means 
extraordinary, uncommon, surpassing, exceeding, more than is necessary, superabundant, beyond measure, superfluous, excessive, unnecessary, useless. So much that it's just useless. I like that. Beyond sufficient, acting with great force, furious, violent, mighty, very eager, very urgent, very fervent, passionate, characterized by forcefulness of expression or intensity of emotion or conviction, fervid, very hot, burning, boiling, marked by great passion or zeal. It also means to super add. And this word I really like. To add, especially in a way that compounds an effect. To add over and above. To add on top of a previous addition. God wants to super add to our life. Jesus came so that you can have life and have life super added. That is a compounding effect that I want to live in. And I think that goes well with what we're told that we are to go from glory to glory. A compounding effect. Just building one upon another upon another it's just stacking making gains however you want to say it it's glory to glory that is abundant life so we know what abundant means what is life what does life entail in this scripture zoe is a greek word that's used and it means absolute fullness of life there are some hebrew words that go along with the life that is referred to in this scripture. And one of my favorites that I have is chaya. That means to live, have life, remain alive, sustain life, live prosperously, live forever, be quickened, be alive, restored to life or health. So when we pair those two and we're talking about abundant life, that is amazing. It is a very full it's like life to the fullest it's excessive life excessive ability to sustain life to be restored to life and to health to wholeness to fullness to have this super added life imagine living life in this super abundant extraordinary way where you are like a tree that has fruit, excessive amounts of fruit, more than is necessary. So much so that the fruit in your life or your tree is falling to the ground and it literally is just being wasted because we can't eat the fruit fast enough off our tree. There's just so much that it's like, oh, it just goes to waste, it's useless. Fruit trees that produce in abundance aren't looked at as wasteful. They're just doing their thing. They're just producing fruit. And that is what we could have in our lives. We have more than enough life. We have more than enough health. We have more. So much so that all of this extra fruit, we could be giving it away. We hear and we accept that we are given life and we are given life more abundant. But are we really living in abundant life? In abundance, like this definition explains, are we living a life that is just excessive and uncommon, extraordinary, in abundance of life and vitality and vigor? Are we able to sustain life? Are we showing that we can live full of health, full of vitality? Are we demonstrating that in our life as believers? I don't really think so. I feel that from just my perspective, as I look around, many of us have great lives and we are thankful and we do want to be grateful in all things. But why would Jesus say that I have come so that you might have super added, super abundant, excessive life? 
That's kind of what I'm pressing into. Why would he go that far? Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he just say, I've come so that you might live a life of thankfulness? That's nice, and we should live a life of thankfulness, but that's not what he said. He said, I am come, I'm here, I came, so that you might have life and life in abundance. That is just crazy to me. And that is something, if it's in the Bible, I want to pursue it. Something that might prick your ear or be a point of discomfort is to say that Jesus came so that we might be able to sustain life, to have excessive amounts of life to the point that we don't die. And that just seems like really excessive and abundant in life to be immortal. (laughs) But when we really just dial back and just sit and think about Jesus said, I came so that you might have abundant life. And that is by definition, the opposite of death is life and life in abundance. Why can't we have that conversation of having immortality? And I think for myself, the main reason why I shy away from that subject or that topic is because in all honesty, why would I want to live this life forever? Why would I want to continue living this life in the pattern that everyone experiences as you get old and older and your body deteriorates and your health deteriorates and ultimately you're just withering away to ultimately die? Why would I want to prolong that process? I don't want to prolong that process. But I think we shy away from that because we haven't yet tapped into or walked in or experienced for ourselves the level of abundant life that Jesus is talking about. It is beyond just being alive. It is life in abundance. Now, if I was to see that, maybe I would desire to continue living on because it would be full of vitality, full of vigor, full of energy, full of health, life to the fullest being just so filled with life, vitality, and vigor, then heck yeah, I want to live forever in this abundant life. But if living this life not in abundance, I wouldn't want to live forever in a basic life. But if I am walking in super abundant life, super added, extraordinary, uncommon life, moving into a place where life is being sustained, health is being Uh, revitalized, vigor is restored day after day, that you are just living in this super abundance of life, then yeah, sign me up for immortality for sure. But I, I think that that's something that we have been more open to death because not only because we see people dying all around us all the time, but no one's really stood for life and to, to continue living in this world because I don't think we've seen a reason to keep living in this world because we haven't seen anyone really living a life of abundance that Jesus is talking about. Once we start witnessing or seeing what it looks like to truly live a life in the abundance that Jesus is talking about, I think we'd think twice about immortality. And if we are so open to death because it's just the way it goes, it's just part of life, then why can't we be open to life if that's even an option? And right here it's saying you could have the ability to have excessive sustainability of life. And if we are really walking in that, I think we would be okay 
with staying alive here on earth if it meant you stay alive in abundance. So for those of you that know me, you know that I'm not a fantasy kind of person and I definitely don't try to to fake the funk like in my life. I try to be a real person and to my sometimes fault, I'm too real of a person and fantasy is the last thing on my list. And when you talk about having immortality or even divine health, where you could come to the point where you can consider never being sick in your life and desire it and go after it and claim it and do all that, it could feel like you're just participating in fantasy. But what I've come to realize that if you haven't sat down to consider what these things even mean, then sure, it's going to sound like fantasy. But when you really think about it, if you ask an addict, to consider being free from addiction. If you ask someone who's overweight to imagine themselves at at their ideal body weight, if you tell someone in chronic pain to imagine living a life pain-free, imagine it. It's a fantasy at that point. It isn't reality. But when that addict gets set free, freedom is a reality. When that person reaches their ideal body weight, that is their reality. And when someone in chronic pain is feeling no pain, they are like, wow, being pain-free is a reality. It is a possibility because I'm living it. And I think all of these things, no matter how how far you want to go, whether you want to just believe for divine health, whether you want to believe to not age as everyone else ages, to have sustained energy, to... uh, go as far as to say, I'm going to pursue becoming immortal. I Like that just sounds radical to even speak that into the microphone. But if that is it, it's like why I think all of those radical things have to start with a fantasy and they will become a reality as we walk out what we're to walk out according to the word of God. And in the word of God, it says those crazy things, which is crazy. And we kind of have to like, shake our head and like uh what is this like this is radical and what have I been doing this whole time (laughs) but I know that's a radical concept to even think about and it might go against everything in you to even think that you could potentially become immortal or desire to become immortal but that's just my take on it and I think our step towards that of even desiring that Um, If you don't even want to talk about that, the first step for me is like, I just get me to abundant life and then we'll talk about immortality. I want to believe what the Bible says and I want to be ready to receive it. And I want to stretch out my mind and stretch out my mental capacity to be able to be humble enough to believe that abundant life can equal things that are extraordinary excessive. That's crazy to think that's the kind of abundance that God is talking about to the point where you're just like overloaded with just too much. Talk about a quality problem, right? Those are kind of problems I want to have. It's just like, I just got so much. And that is something that I am pursuing. I want for myself. I want for my family. I want for my friends. I want everyone around me to be living in the fullness, the super added compounding effect of glory to glory every single day. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, a hui ho!